0: Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Star-Lord. Who? Well, Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw? Forget it.
0: We arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax. A.K.A. the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in a search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over fifty charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. What the hell? Groot. He's been traveling recently as Rocket's personal
1: houseplant slash muscle.
0: Peter, Jason, Quill.
1: He's also known as Star Lord.
0: Who calls him that? Himself,
1: mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this
0: machine worked. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavocal. I think I'm maybe the rocket raccoon and Cody, you're the Groot in this situation. But of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Cody Webb. What do you think? I mean, you kind of look like Groot. <laughs>
1: i am groot
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, i think i can do it you and vin Vin diesel have a lot in common too (laughs) yeah
1: it's true me and vin go way back big fans of fast five i think both of us but uh yeah i'll take groot you know he's probably the more likable one in the two so that makes sense too (laughs) but (laughs) yeah we're back for a great great episode of cap i mean it does not get much better than um you know a cody pick if i say so myself but uh, yeah, how, how you doing on this great day, man?
0: You know, I'm doing well. We we're just coming off fresh the the top 50, the rank of our uh, our 50 movies, and we're going into a great one right off the bat. Guardians of the Galaxy, one of your all time favorites, definitely a favorite in the MCU for both of us, I would say. And I'm excited. I, I'm curious though, why do you want to talk Guardians? Why? 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 Why?
1: Why? That's yeah, a good question. I mean. Uh, at this point what are we in like season 10 of the show <laughs> really watched all my favorite movies um so i was like you know what i haven't done we haven't done like a comic book movie for a while which is obviously a big thing for me and uh, i had it down between a couple of my faves this is probably my favorite mcu standalone project and then i was debating between that and uh, x-men days of future pass which is just a uh, another great great film but uh, wanted to talk about this one because I haven't revisited it for a while. Yeah, it, it's probably just one of the MCU movies that I've seen the most. I feel like I always say that when I pick a movie, but we're going to keep that running. I think I saw it like three times in theaters when it came out. I took like uh my mom's side of the family. I took my dad's side of the family. And then I took my friends. So it's kind of like, oh, this was my movie in theaters. One of those things. And uh, yeah, we'll get into it a lot more, but... It it really is just, I think, uh, a Marvel classic.
0: I I was looking here. I was trying to figure out what the last uh, comic book movie we did. And I think it, I mean, technically it was our Morbius episode, which is obviously an all-time classic, if you haven't heard that. Um, But before that, in a more extended conversation, we talked about the Batman all the way back in March. So it's been a minute.
1: Was that even season three or was that season two? It was
0: season three, season three, but early, early season three
1: okay so yeah we're going about like one uh one a season we had a couple spider-man episodes i think season two and then a spider-man season one too so yeah we need to get more comic booky i think because that, that's one of my niche things and I, I can talk about that for hours so yeah i'm
0: excited to the, for this conversation so let's go ahead and uh, continue on with our initial thoughts
1: Girl! Dude, I want to
0: hear yours first. Switch okay, up. yeah, I'm ready. Um, you mentioned that you hadn't seen this in a while, and I feel like I haven't seen this movie in forever. Like, I haven't done a, a real MCU rewatch in in probably I guess like four years. Uh, maybe, maybe two or three, but it has been a while, and there's definitely a lot about this movie that I didn't remember, or you know, just it, it just hadn't, you know, I even thought about in a long time. Um, When I think about when this movie came out in 2014, it it starts to make me feel really old, honestly, that this was like eight years ago that this came out, that, you know, this has been going on for that long. This one stuck out to me as a a favorite when it came out for me. And it has a huge impact on the future of the MCU. When I watched this, that was something that really surprised me is like how much road on this particular movie, when especially it was a movie with a cast of characters that people really had no idea who they were and the people who did know who they were (laughs) didn't really like them that much. So so it was kind of like this weird situation of like, it it was a big bet. They said, Hey, James Gunn, why don't you explain exactly what the infinity stones are to all of our characters and like be this like first major moment in like opening the world to like greater space travel and, and what really the next couple movies we're going to rely on is, is whether or not guardians worked yeah i think that's pretty crazy
1: no you're taking the words right out of my mouth i mean the crazy thing about this movie is it really sets the stage for you know the the entire infinity saga which is a pr- pretty baldy setup to put in for a movie like you said as well where nobody's ever heard of the characters i mean marvel when they started up you know they were saying that iron man was this b-tier character and oh the movies made him cool well who the hell is right, the right
0: <laughs> if that's b tier this is
1: yeah i mean what are we going to z w somewhere down there hopefully not z because that's a lame letter but uh yeah i, I think this movie be had a lot of like studio setup to do but at the same time i think it's like one of the best scripts in the mcu for a standalone project just like the non-stop action it's so much fun it has so much heart and then yeah i mean james gunn bringing in you know solid cast and and backing it with an insane soundtrack i mean he basically like you could say this for for other sci-fi movies that i like as well but he auditioned to make a star wars movie through the mcu and i think he did it pretty successfully but yeah there's so much to talk about one thing that um i did just notice for the first time on this watch and i think it's because uh, i've never watched on my uh, tv that i've had for a couple years but like the aspect ratio actually keep change. It well, keeps changing. Well, I, I actually, this is
0: literally the next thing I was going to say, Cody. Yeah. And there's a reason <laughs> for this. Uh, so well, I was, you watch this on like
1: IMAX, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. you watch this on yeah. Disney Plus and Disney Plus. Yeah interestingly enough has this i think you can decide what you do but they have the imax version on there which which is pretty cool being able to see on your tv and still kind of getting that full imax experience obviously not the full imax experience but the wider aspect ratio at different points i think it it can be a little bit distracting when it jumps back and forth a lot
1: i think it's very distracting and and like you said it's first time i noticed i guess because on disney plus I have this on like DVD, which is so outdated even to even say. But I was like, hey, it's on Disney Plus. I mean, I might as well watch it on there. But maybe I should have, you know, stuck with the DVD so it wasn't noticed so distracting, switching back and forth. But that honestly, that's like one of the only major flaws I have with it. That's just like, oh, Disney Plus's viewing experience. So I don't even know if that really counts. Now I'm super high in this film, obviously. James Gunn, I think legit he is one of my favorite directors working today, which is kind of crazy because he hasn't made that much in the past like 10 20 years but the couple things that he's pumped out like uh, comic book wise this and the suicide squad are both just like perfect comic book interpretations feels like just like coming straight off the pages which i love i'm going to talk a bunch more about like in the good categories we move on but that that's pretty much the gist of it I, obviously i'm i'm gonna be pretty high in this film
0: yeah understandably so Let's uh, move on to roll credits, roll credits. Uh, I, I think we should just maybe start with the opening of the film, which mm-hmm. I think is very interesting. This begins with essentially what is like a cold open scene of his mom dying, you know, kind of in front of him, reaching out, hold my hand. She gives him the present um, and then she passes away and then he leaves the hospital and is abducted by, by the Ravengers and, and then we get the Marvel fanfare directly after that, which I think is an interesting choice. Uh, well, do you think that's an effective way to open the movie, Cody?
1: Yeah, the opening, it is interesting. Because, I mean, going into it the first time, everyone saw it as well. It's like, oh, you see the trailer, you know. It's got this 80s music. like It's going to be a fun time. And then, boom, the opening scene is, oh, his mother is literally on her deathbed from cancer. And he's a tiny little kid. Like, he's not even able to process this. So... I think it's an interesting choice. I think maybe it is the right choice just because it, it brings in the heart. This movie has an unbelievable amount of heart, I think, for just a stupid like sci-fi fun movie. But and then like leading into the, the next scene, I think it's kind of like a double opening scene. Cause the next scene is, you know, kind of a cool thing to set up Star Lord. And then obviously it just turns into him singing and you know, kicking rats around, <laughs> which is obviously my favorite part. And of but, course
0: that that bit is brought back in in game. Yeah. Do you, do you think them making fun of it takes away from the scene or or do you still appreciate it?
1: I do a little bit. I mean, whenever they would if you go back into like time in a movie to a specific scene and then, you know, just clock a dude for just for laughs. I think it does change it a little bit just from like a nerd standpoint It's like, oh, well wow, that didn't really happen anymore or whatever. But I mean, the, the opening like the introduction to actual Star Lord as human I think it's so much fun and it's perfect.
0: Fantastic! This movie does character introductions pretty well. Yeah.
1: And just car- like cool character moments and like a cool visual shot. Like that's really all I need. That's all you can ask for. Just like that opening of like him on his device, trying to figure out where this thing's at. Like that visually is interesting enough to me. And then obviously you get him, you know, using the Rasm microphone and just being an idiot. So it really does just introduce him in the perfect way, I
0: think. Yeah, I I think the mask that he wears as Star-Lord is extremely cool. I think it's a little disappointing when the mask comes off and it's just like Chris Pat (laughs) underneath. Uh, But the mask itself is very cool. Some other stuff, right after the Marvel fanfare, we get a James Gunn film, making this very clear. This is a James Gunn thing. This is very heavily influenced. We kind of talked about Captain Marvel last week, where it's a movie very much influenced by the studio. And this one feels like, James Gunn had a significant um, significant amount more uh, creative control on this movie than, you know, some of the other Marvel films. It, it is very reminiscent of his previous work. And like you said, he does a great job of kind of adapting things um, and, and having his influence. In the credits, as they kind of end, you, know, you get Chris Pratt, you get Zoe Saldana, you get, you know, everybody. You get Benicio del Toro as the collector, which I think is a cool note. You know, it's one of those special guest appearances from Benicio. I know you don't always love some of his character work, i.e. The Last Jedi, but I think this is a fun Benicio performance. Also in that opening scene, you get your man. You haven't even said it yet. Cody, go ahead. What's his name?
1: The boy, Jamin Hantu, superstar in this movie all of his scenes i think he's only in this like three or four scenes but i love every single one and uh they bought it they brought him back for the what if series i believe so shout out jaman putting that voice work in but i still want to see him come back but uh to touch on benicio real quick as well yeah um i think on record i've said that's the worst performance of all time not as jedi but uh you know weirdly enough he plays like a kind of like a similar character i was just
0: saying yeah, it's like the same thing <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's kind of similar but he's that i think he's good in this so shout out benicio you know you are an okay actor i think but yeah ryan johnson i don't think he what he's doing i guess don't give ryan johnson guardian of the galaxy 3 that's all i'm saying but Bet- i guess four, so it's already coming out but
0: better better del toro guillermo or benicio
1: i mean i gotta go guillermo i mean Guillermo was never, you know, the worst actor of all time in a movie. So it's pretty easy to beat that. True. Also, shout out, shout out Pinocchio.
0: Shout out Pinocchio. It's out. You can watch it now.
1: Is it? Is it on theaters?
0: Uh well, limited release in theaters, but I think it uh is out
1: on Netflix today, maybe. Really? Oh, I might have to watch that tonight. Gotta represent uh Del Toro. What did I call him in that episode? Yeah, right. it came came out the ninth,
0: so it it's out there. I
1: think I said somebody else directed it tonight. You you did uh, say George Miller directed yeah, George it. George Miller, yeah. which is unfortunate
0: one of the other really cool things about that opening scene is how real the set feels like in a ton of marvel movies especially the more recent ones and and also in like the star wars films it's it it's just like it's all shot on blue screen right and it doesn't feel like real dirt underneath them it doesn't feel like there's actual stuff in the foreground and while it's very clearly like a backdrop it feels like they built something and he's jumping around the rocks he's interacting with that like it just feels very real and tangible, uh, which I really appreciate. It it kind of veers away from that in some of the later scenes, but it's cool that it opens with that. And of course, is obviously very reminiscent of Indiana Jones. It's kind of setting him up uh, very early on. It, this is kind of the MacGuffin of that movie, which is nice. Oh, then moving on to the ending, Cody. Obviously, we get Guardians will return. That's kind of a Marvel staple across the various movies when they're going to come back. You've got your first post-credit scene or your mid credit scene with Groot dancing and, and Gra- Drax kind of trying to see him dance. I don't know why Groot wants to hide his dance moves, but he does. Um, and then, of course, the Howard the Duck post credit scene, which I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on.
1: Yeah, uh, you might be in a different camp in me on this, but I really like the Howard Duck scene. Uh, I mean, it adds absolutely nothing to the larger universe, but I feel like this movie did all the heavy work already. I you know, having thanos in it just for no reason and you know setting up the infinity stones so you might as well just have like a super fun moment at the end where it's just a shout out to the creator basically because i mean sure howard the duck does come back in an end game uh, if you could spot him but i wouldn't call him like a titular character going forward uh they, they didn't throw thanos in the end credit scene which is kind of surprising because they do it for every other movie but yeah i, I do like it i think it's stupid do you disagree?
0: Well, you know what's interesting is because like I feel like every post-credit scene up into this point was pretty significant. This was the first one that was kind of like, "Hey, we're not really gonna lead any into anything." Now it feels like kind of all the post-credit scenes are like that. As like, is like this is this ever gonna lead into anything? But the movie itself gives more to the future of the MCU than anything else before it. So it's like, you can kind of let it go because you don't need the post credit scene because you've already given us all this Infinity Stone information. Thanos is literally in this movie as a character. Uh, you get Thanos's children. Like, there's so much stuff in it that I, I'm okay with it. I do vividly remember, like... I don't remember seeing this movie in theaters very well, but I do remember the Howard the Duck moment and then like coming out of the theater and being like, who the fuck is Howard the Duck? Like, what is happening? I got to investigate, which I get, you know, it's cool. It's, it, it is, like you said, it's paying tribute to kind of the, the comic books, which is something that, you know, James Gunn is is an appreciator of the uh, the original work.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that's why nowadays um, for like MCU movies, even I always look up if the, the post-credit scenes are relevant. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sit there for 15 minutes just for Howard the Duck to show up and say nothing relevant. So I understand that. But yeah, I mean, in to your response to like all the MCU uh post credit scenes being meaningful, I don't know if that was really true. I mean in Thor two, I don't know if I, I swear if Thor two came out before this movie. So just, you know, Thor making I believe it was when 2013. I when this yeah, one was came out, 2014. 2014? Yeah. There you go. Thor started that trend, I guess, because he's just making out with uh Natalie Portman at the end of that movie. You so, tell me that isn't you know, important? I mean, it is for you know Thor, I guess, but not really for any of us.
0: It wasn't even but, Natalie Portman; it was his wife. His wife, I know. I was like,
1: <laughs> supposedly Natalie Portman, but uh, as well, one thing I forgot to mention about roll credits: they do say the, the the name of this movie. I believe they only say it. Uh, no, they do say it twice. But it is at the very end. And uh, I really like, actually, I don't know if this happens that often where, like, the antagonist is the one who says the name of the movie. He he says it even, like, mocking them. <laughs> I mean, like, these are your Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, you couldn't do any better? And then, of course, it's met by, you know, Star lord doing his dance-off and then eventually they get the stone and he said, oh, you said that you're a bitch for the Guardians of the Galaxy. So even incorporating it into like maybe the cheesiest line in the movie, I think it's just perfect from James Gunn and and perfect writing again. But yeah, I think that's one of the better like actual real credits moments in a movie that we've done.
0: How do you feel about referring to this movie as volume one? Or do you just think it should be Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: Yeah, you know, it's fine. I mean, you can stamp that on with the sequels now. It's kind of like the Star Wars argument where, you know, everybody calls episode four, you know, uh, a new hope now, but. I mean, 1977, it was just Star Wars. So it, it goes out of the way. If you just say Guardians of the Galaxy, people will generally think of this movie anyways. So that is kind of dumb, though. Adding a subtitle.
0: All right, let's move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> let's get on with the good first. Cody, obviously, you love this movie. So tell us what it, what's good
1: about well, it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot <laughs> great in this movie. The first thing I, I wanted to shout out was the visual style. Uh, I, I didn't look up who did the, the Sinnoh on this, but it, it, it's pretty good stuff. I think um, uh, just a couple specific scenes I wanted to quickly shout out. We did talk about in the opening, the first appearance of, you know, the Ravagers. Just that like alien abduction kind of vibe to it. I think it's really cool. Camera work, you know, the mist the, in the dark is really cool shot. And then another specific shot is when Drax, you know, uh, you know, tells everybody where they're at. It's sort of his shot of, you know, he's got his knives out and the old army's coming out sort of with his back to it. I think that's fucking sick as well. So shout out those couple ones. But the main thing I wanted to talk about, well, the script I already mentioned, but also the cast. I think it's very, very good. And I've talked about... um I think it catch me if you can. I actually recent episode, I was like, oh, there's a lot of, you know, smaller scenes. But every single one of those like smaller characters is really, really good. And I think it's the same here. I already mentioned Jamin Hansu, He's in like two scenes. John C. Riley's a lot of fun. He's in like three scenes. I think comedically, maybe John C. Reilly has the funniest lines. Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin, Michael Rooker. And then, I mean, the main cast of, you know, just unbelievable spot on I think Dave Batista, obviously Bradley Cooper's Rocky Raccoon you can never change that in a million years uh, even Vin Diesel has Groot, you know I would have never thought I wanted Vin Diesel on the MCU but you know voice work going back to the Aaron Giant I feel like he's low-key one of his strengths so even taking like these B-list actors John C. Riley, the same and you know putting them in in fun roles I, I think it's an impressive feat and uh, it's really not easy to do I mean we literally throw Vin Diesel on any other MCU movie and you're probably going to get criticized for it, but somehow it works here.
0: The first note at the top of my my page is just characters in all caps because they're so good. Literally everyone, like you said, it has, is interesting and unique and well-fleshed out. Got to give shouts to Zoe Saldana and uh, Karen Gillan as the sisters. Karen Gillan, Doctor Who, unite, rise up, go, let's go. <laughs> um, shout out to Lee Pace you as well who? for that.
1: I didn't know you watched that show.
0: Yeah, you no, know, I did. Yeah, at one point, <laughs> Lee Pace as Ronan. Uh, while the character itself is not great, I still think that's fun casting. And then uh, Glenn Close coming in as Nova Prime, also fun as well. So yeah, the, there's there's just so many cool little side characters, and it, it's because James Gunn is great at finding those you know weird comic book you know whether it's someone who appears in one issue or someone that's prominent that he can bring it in, in a certain way. He, he's just really good at kind of discovering what the perfect assortment of characters is. And he's very good at building a cast in a way that all interacts and can kind of joke off each other in in a really effective way. Particularly Bradley Cooper as Rocket is, like you said, irreplaceable the best part of the movie for me 100 hands down even on on top of that Yandu and his arrow like that's probably one of the sickest weapons and just like the character design on him as a whole is really interesting obviously he's still doing like his country accent that that we know from the walking dead which is kind yeah, of funny but that. but he's like he's like space country which is hilarious yeah.
1: michael rooker was another name on that list i skipped out for some reason but yeah yondu is an interesting one just because because it's literally just Michael Rooker. Like, <laughs> right. He's playing himself, but he's a blue alien. <laughs> so, it's kind of like you got to pick one, but it, it kind of works. He, he's not, I don't think, the best. He he does have a bigger part in Volume 2 as well, which I don't even know if I like. And in the Christmas special, it's kind of like a recon as well, which maybe mm. I'll get to later. Yeah, he I don't know if he's the best out of all we mentioned. And uh, he didn't even talk. I was definitely talked about my boy, Dave Batista. I mean, this is him coming off of I that. was just
0: waiting for you, Cody.
1: <laughs> I mean, my boy, Dave, he he really has done nothing before this. His main acting credits are what, like Blade Runner, this. Uh, what else? One other thing I can't even think of off the top of my head, but I mean, he doesn't act much. So to come into this, there were a lot of question marks for sure. I mean, it's basically just like saying, oh, throwing John Cena in this role or, or somebody similar. Not um,
0: even John Cena because like he's not as popular.
1: Right. I mean, is Dave Batista a popular wrestler? I, I don't
0: even I couldn't know. tell you exactly. Um, I would imagine since we don't know.
1: Uh, if you're in the wrestling community, uh come on the show because we have no insight on, on that movie in the world. But Junior, Bautista, Junior can help. Junior probably could help. That makes sense. What one, one other thing I wanted to shout out again, the script is immaculate. I, I forgot a couple little things. There's a there's a few just like build up scenes. Of the team that I think are really good, and uh, it was co-written by James Gunn, and uh, he he basically wrote all the lines in the Avengers movies as well, which I think is pretty funny. The reasons were like you know these people just just do the work for us. The specific scene where they're talking about does Star Lord have a plan, or is he just bullshitting Yondu? It's like how, how much plan do you have, and he says like twelve percent or something stupid. And I I think that just specific scene writing where it goes from a super comedic thing where he does like the fake laugh. Uh, And then that just leads into like one of the deeper scenes in the movie where they realize, oh, we're we're probably going to die. And then they're like, well, at least, you know, we're dying around around friends. And he literally, what he calls them, he calls them losers. They literally are all losers because, you know, they have nothing really left in their life. And it really just like brings in the gravity of the situation while like being extremely funny as well. I think it's hard to do. A lot of good in this movie, Cody. Are you familiar
0: with the like a save the cat moment in a script?
1: Mm, I don't think I've heard that phrase before. Actually, enlighten me.
0: Yeah. So this is the idea: is when you introduce a character in your story, particularly your main character, you need them to be likable for some reason, or you need a, a reason to root for them, or or something that why why do you care about a
1: redeeming quality
0: redeeming quality right um and obviously with star lord he you know to a certain degree maybe you could think him to be a bit of a scummy guy or you know just kind of a player like there's reasons you might not like him he's kind of a han solo indiana jones-esque figure Mm. but a save the cat moment is essentially when a character would save a cat from harm's way and because of that because they saved this helpless little animal you then like them and something very interesting in the very first scene of this movie not only does his mom die but she says to him you know why are you fighting these kids? And it was because they killed a frog. So that was, you know, kind of his save the cat moment very early on in the script is even as a little kid, he's he's fighting, you know, he's standing up for the little guy, standing up for this poor little frog that's getting killed by these other kids at his school, which I just think is a really cool early moment of character development you can have for this kid who's like going to stand up and literally fight for an animal that's getting, you know, murdered by other boys.
1: I like that a lot. So is that, does that mean that uh, Chris Pratt's an animal activist? Or... <laughs> no
0: yeah that is that is exactly what it means
1: okay cool thought we established that yeah not too much Chris Pratt slander uh, yet on the bottom I'm well we haven't the gotten
0: to the, <laughs> everyone got to the bad and the ugly Cody <laughs> but uh why don't we go ahead and get over to it the bad do you know what this movie taught me about Cody
1: what what did he like, talk about
0: taught me who about? Jackson Pollock was <laughs> That's do you, a Great. Line. do you yeah you, you're familiar with what I'm referencing I'll, I'll just play it here and quill your ship is filthy.
1: Oh, she has no idea. If I had a black light, the place would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. You got issues, Quill.
0: Um, yeah, so I just kind of, I don't know, I was 14, so it's not like I was too young or it was too shocking. But when you put that put that joke together, uh, I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of
1: it. Oh, yeah. At the time, I mean, that joke went right over my head. I. <laughs> I was like, Jackson Pollock, that's some sort of artist. but uh, I don't really understand. But yeah, you know, now 10 years later, it's even funnier. Come on.
0: <laughs> what do you got for bad? I, I got some more stuff, but we can bounce back and forth.
1: Yeah, bad. I, I have one main thing, and it, it's the villain. I mean, MCU, we known pretty much really for, you know, the villain being in the back burner. And uh, th- this is the prime example of it. I think it's just underfleshed, Ronan the Accuser, played by Lee Pace. Uh, If I'm being completely honest, I don't even know what Lee Pace looks like in in real life. In this movie, he he looks okay. I think it could be a little bit better as well. But just being like a pre-fanatic who, you know, just one goal, kind of just one dimensional, not a big fan, really, not fleshed out at all. And his name is also just so stupid. Ronan the Accuser? Is he like some sort of public defender or, you know, he's a defense attorney? I, I don't really know. He's in the court somehow, I guess. But he's left that life behind, and now you're just accusing everyone on on the planet of Xandar of, I don't even know, being Xandarian. So they deserve to die. Like, his intentions, it's just, like, explained for two seconds of, oh, these people hate each other. And then you're like, okay, I just have to accept he wants to kill everybody. But, you know, it's fine and everything, and it, it makes for, you know, good scenes at the end where they just keep shooting him with these big explosives and nothing happens, which I think is funny. But yeah, that, that'd probably be my, my one grip with the movie.
0: I absolutely agree. It's an incredibly weak villain. It's the common problem with just about every MCU movie is that they don't have a very good, well-developed villain. I think the character intro for Ronan, the accuser is extremely sick. He like rises out of the black bubble, which kind of reminds me of some stuff we saw in Dune last year, probably in some ways inspired by the writings of that book. But he kind of rises out of that black mud. He he gets the paint all over his face and arms. He wears the headpiece. Just a really cool introduction. He's got the cool weapon. Um, and then again, like when he gets the power stone, like there's cool stuff. It's just, there's no substance. He's he's basically just like a genocidal maniac, but not even in an interesting way, like with Thanos that we get later. But he's, he's basically just an early, I mean, he just hates Zandarians and, you know, I guess a lot of people.
1: Yeah. It, he, he's basically just a lap dog, dog Thanos as well. So it's kind of like, oh, uh, we can just skip this part and, and go to the actual big... But yeah, I think what she said is actually really interesting in that like, I think this movie, it got a lot from other movies as well. I mentioned Star Wars, obviously. There's some Star Trek in here. Starship Troopers, Aliens. Um, I, I think the list goes on, not even Blade Runner a little bit. But yeah, I, I think James Gunn took a lot from a, a bunch of other giant he kind of like took the best stuff from a lot of weird sci-fi movies brought it together but yeah i think he did kind of miss the mark on the villain but in the end i mean there's so many people to set up in this movie i mean you have the the five guardians you got michael rooker and the ravagers you know you have some subplots and crap obviously but that's kind of the one where maybe they should have spent like I think one or two more scenes maybe with like him and Nebula you know just just yelling at each other or something that maybe would add a little bit more do you think
0: do you think people care like do they really go to see these movies for the villains no
1: well if they're good I think they do care I think the best villains maybe have the most impact I mean all we talk about in the MCU is oh infinity war infinity war infinity war which i mean rightfully so but i mean it's just it depends on what the character is if people know the character like if you do the joker wrong oh you are gonna get massive slack but if you do ronan the accuser wrong everyone's like oh it was a great movie like the guardians were sick i like Fair. the villain was kind of a dick but you know forgettable sometimes good in in sort of standalone you know introductions i think just because other than Loki. I either like the villain's really good and you introduce the long-term villain in the first movie or they just it's a throwaway villain which I, i'd rather have loki in the first movie but sometimes you got to pick your poison i guess
0: yeah i, I just bring it up because i guess like these are inherently these are stories about heroes and they're stories about good guys and right. honestly you you spend too much time with the villain and you you kind of begin to get away from that um these movies are also made for wide audiences so children can see them this was rated PG-13 but let's be honest like plenty of kids young kids saw this so like you don't need to like spend too much time with why the genocidal maniac like hates people and wants to to commit heinous murder across the galaxy but i think i agree with you like forgettable is good sometimes because honestly if you create a villain that's too compelling and too interesting people are just going to and you have them die or lose people just want them to come back and return and they want to see them again which when that's not the story that you're trying to tell over a course of 10 movies that's a problem
1: right I so, yes. but i mean i would always want a villain who's good and I'm like oh i want to see them again it's, i think that's something the mc's is definitely missing i mean look at even their most recent example of, of thor love and thunder where i it's probably about the same screen time between christian bale and and ronan in this movie and it, like i said it's just about expectations like oh well, if you're gonna cast christian bale he better be you know, you know a menacing scary ass dude who's in the half the movie it, it's kind of just expectations but yeah i, I get what you're saying for this movie I, I think it does work having the villain take the back seat but in like most other projects i i would disagree with you i i want the villain to be very compelling because i think that is sometimes like if they think they're the protagonist. That is sometimes even more interesting than like the protagonist take on it
0: i agree that in most instances i i want the villain to be compelling i, I guess i'm just maybe providing arguments for like why it's never been a focus in the mcu yeah. or why they why they feel the need to fo- not care about it that much my final question before we go into ugly do you hmm. think is Groot overpowered like is he kind of just unfair
1: i mean in this movie i think he definitely is uh there's a lot of op people in this movie ronan especially too but I think that's kind of why they killed off Groot at the end. Turned him into a baby. It's kind of like, oh, these people, they have drags as well. Like, they're never going to run into a situation where they're out-muscled. I mean, even the scene at the end where (laughs) he grabs the ten guys by his arm and just swinging them back and forth. And then turns around with a massive grin on his face. Which may be the cutest thing ever. (laughs) But yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, he's shredding these guys like they're like thumbtacks out here. So... I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it was smart that they killed him? Or
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they needed to. Uh, we're going to talk Christmas special at the end of this, and yeah, maybe I'm not a huge fan of the direction they've taken I with did. with Groot, with the Roblox Group, but yeah, I think they needed to do it. it. It's kind of a Hulk situation, except the Hulk at least has the handicap of being, like, a rageful monster, where it's like, well, Groot maybe isn't the sharpest, you know, uh, tool in the shed. He, he's still aware of what he's doing, and he can, like, take orders and and do what you need him to do at and and just like fight anybody. Like he's unbeatable. And even if he dies, he just gets fucking resurrected as a tiny little version of himself for his child or whatever the fuck.
1: That is true. He's unkillable almost looking back at this movie as well. It's kind of like, I miss this Groot in the MCU. Like this is prime Groot I mean, it's like, we're never going to see him again. Yeah. We're never going to get it. It is like Groot's son, I think almost. And that's what
0: James Gunn has said. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which kind of sucks because this is the best version of Groot, I think. Yeah, he, he is OP, so I understand why they took him out.
0: Go to the ugly, Cody. Do you do you want to get things started?
1: I will get things started here. I, I have a couple. The first one, just talking about the collector in general. I think he's a bit problematic. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the whole idea of you know capturing people and you know just putting them up for you know viewing pleasure of viewing, sure. he's
0: like a a twisted zookeeper
1: it's like a museum slash zookeeping thing he's got going on probably not morally the best thing so i mean they could have you know said that walking in here being like dude this is pretty messed up like we should release all these people but that's not really touched on and of course you know it's also the concept of slavery yeah he's got a slave girl yeah the girl literally says i will no longer be your slave then smacks the infinity stone which by the way i mean when she's like yelling that shit you think rocket or peter quill would be like all right this chick's gonna mess everything (laughs) up and just like you know taser or something take her out but uh maybe they just wanted to see what was gonna happen well bad move (laughs) but yeah to start off i mean i would say we probably shouldn't view you know the collector as any sort of you know decent human being based off you know what his profession is but i'd say that's pretty ugly
0: yeah for sure maybe talking about things outside the movie obviously there's the the James Gunn controversy which i don't know it's it's kind of a really interesting series of events right it's so tweets, right yeah yeah so like okay. many people uh when people don't like you they they'll, they'll dig into your past and you know try and you know uncover things and All right. James Gunn i think specifically pissed off some alt-right you know like conservative people on twitter they went through his twitter and and they did find you know him making some very inappropriate ill-timed jokes about like pedophilia and, and things that obviously are not like okay and not really very,
1: that funny. very outdated and just like crude jokes i think looking back on it but yeah right and
0: and then obviously he was removed from guardians volume two he was fired by disney which is what caused him well, yeah. What then caused him to get hired by D- DC? And, and and kind of in hindsight, as you think about it, it's I mean the domino effect of him now being the CEO of of DC Films. True, because it did of those kinda tweets, work out, For him.
1: <laughs> which kind of sucks. But yeah, I mean I don't know. Like uh, I'll mention this later, but I think the sequel to this film is far less superior. I think it's very very bad. But I mean. Just because of those tweets like Loki, he's now the head of DC. It's kind of scummy. It's kind of tough.
0: Yeah, listen, you know, everybody's, you know, said things in their past that uh, I don't know. It was yeah, a, he, it was a bad thing.
1: It is. I, I, I don't it. know, like, how old he was. Like, if he was like 10, I mean, he 100. was an
0: adult. He, he was, he's, he's an old He's an older guy. Like, he, he was an adult when Twitter was invented.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's he was it's
0: older than we are now.
1: Thing. Right. Well, the thing is, as well, it was so long ago and you can't do anything going back in the past. So it's it's hard to be like punish him for that, but at the same time it's like you know that's not great. Anywho, my other one that I do want to bring up because it, it comes up in other movies strangely, I feel like a lot, but it's just like the very you know calm and it's very relaxed, just a destruction of a city from a an incoming massive ship. Uh, they do it here. The other one where it's it's even worse is Star Trek Into Darkness where, I mean, they just destroy the entirety of San Francisco with one ship. I think it's just unnecessary. It just seems like super dark, especially in a movie like this, where, you know, supposedly they evacuate the city, but you still see all these people. And then you just don't like the biggest spaceship possible on the entire thing. And literally every single skyscraper and building comes down. It's just not really something I, I want to view. It, it seems like pretty, you know, brutal destruction. And uh yeah, I don't like it. I, I think that's super ugly, but that's just my take.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely hard to watch in a movie that's like otherwise pretty upbeat and colorful and positive. It, it kinda sticks out.
1: it's not needed at all, I don't think.
0: But yeah, I mean like in the 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 Ronin's people like literally like kamikazeing themselves prior <laughs> to that too, which is a whole nother yeah, it, it's an intense scene. Uh John C. Riley's wife and kid almost just get taken out but luckily Rocket saves the day. The last ugly thing, you know, we we got to talk Chris Pratt. Cody, what what's your honest thoughts on Chris Pratt? What do you feel about him?
1: Chris Pratt or Chris Pratt? Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like he's kind of those in-betweener guys where he's always just trying to make everybody happy and then he just always says the dumbest stuff though and then he tries to go back on it. I don't know. I, I never go too much into looking into, you know, everybody's political views. But from what I've seen, you know. Chris Pratt doesn't seem the smartest guy, Uh, but yeah, what do you think?
0: He's such an interesting person to look at the arc of his career and how he was like almost this like lovable, dumb sweetheart on Parks and Rec. And like almost this casting is kind of what started his downfall once he got hot. um, People wanted to see him fail. I think Chris Pratt, I don't know him obviously, but I think at his heart, he is a good person. And like, I don't think. I don't think he is a terrible person. There is a lot of things that he's done, both career-wise and in his personal life, that I think I disagree with, and I think are poor like decisions and are questionable. Like the like, there's like he's like one of those people that like makes movies to just like kind of piss people off. Like, why are you Mario, Chris Pratt? Why are you doing this? And then obviously he's in Jurassic World and like this like douchey kind of sexist character that weirdly falls in uh, love with Bryce Dallas Howard right yeah it's Bryce
1: that, Dallas character. Howard. <laughs> so that character's uh, like connection to Bryce Dallas Howard is one of the worst things I've ever seen but yeah I feel like you're right his filmography has been kind of really weird after he, this
0: he's in like the Terminalist on Amazon where he's some weird agent sh- soldier
1: something oh is that what that's called the Terminalist it's, it's like an alien futuristic movie right or maybe we're talking uh, about something else tomorrow
0: war is what you're thinking of that terminalist is-, is a tv show that he's in that is like also again it's like him as an agent or a spy or some shit oh. he wears a black hat and a, in a
1: bulletproof vest so. <laughs> he's getting typecast but yeah i mean coming from parks and rec too i feel like at the release of this movie everyone's like oh chris Pratt's so lovable like he's the next big movie action star and then, I mean, the Jurassic World casting helps that too. He was rumored to be the next Indiana Jones for forever. He's
0: great in her in like a dramatic film. Like, that's right yeah. before this comes out. Things are really looking up. He's great in Moneyball. Too. He's good in Moneyball too. Passengers is a big downfall for him yeah. and Jennifer Lawrence. They both took a hit from that. His character mm-hmm. in that is also kind of despicable and gross yeah. when you think about it.
1: That movie's got a lot of ugly, I think, but to be in like such a. A big budget sci-fi with J Law, and for it to be so bad and bomb so much, I think, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest faults of his career. And then, yeah. I mean, coming to modern day with Mario, I'm actually excited for that movie. Me to play <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the last time I could say that, but a CG, uh, excuse me, an animated movie, uh, maybe Pinocchio. To be fair, but I mean, that movie actually looks good. I don't hate his his voice just because Mario you know you want the iconic like yahoo you know it's a me my kind of thing but at the same time like in the cartoon and stuff like he's just an italian plumber like you don't want it over the top like you want him to be like yahoo and shit like that but yeah chris Bright, it's not it's a fine
0: line between racism (laughs) and <laughs> is it, you have this nintendo like nintendo which obviously like a japanese company making this like very stereotypical italian That's plumber true. character and then i don't know like everybody else is well cast in that movie except for chris pratt i was
1: just gonna say that and I all doing
0: like voices that I mean, make sense
1: yeah charlie day's luigi's awesome annie taylor joy is peach is freaking dope keegan michael key is toad nailed it jack black is bowser is sick I mean, dude, that is such a good cast. And then to have like, oh, Chris Pratt as Mario, you know, it doesn't really make sense, but I'm still excited for that movie somehow, even though, you know, that casting is weird. Well, and the thing is like, it, it it
0: makes people more angry because then you have like the director or whatever come out and be like, I've heard Chris Pratt's voice and it's unlike anything we've ever heard, but it's amazing. And yeah. it's like, stop just putting quotes out there like this. This this Chris Pratt positivity campaign. Um, I do want to address like the reasons why Chris Pratt is is kind of solid in favor. It's it's kind yeah. of weird stuff. So the main thing is is because of his kind of religious background and his the way he's kind of shared his religious faith, which then leads a lot of people to believe things about his political views and particularly things, you know, regarding like same-sex marriage and in his feelings on that um he is a part of a church that like specifically would have those type of views being against same-sex marriage but then again like he's also come out and like said like oh i don't even go to that church like it's it's one of those things where it's like we don't know like what it's just kind of a weird people get mad about stuff and i'm not even a terribly religious person um and then the other thing is a weird thing with his ex-wife and their child and you know, he was married to Anna Ferris and then now he's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Him and Anna Ferris have a child together who I believe has um, some sort of intellectual disability. And he's kind of, he always is posting about his other kids that he has with with Schwarzenegger's daughter, but not really this other kid, which, um, which is, is pretty gross to a certain extent. But again, know I don't know what the situation uh, is. I can't, you know, fully speak to what kind of relationship he is allowed to have or isn't, but on the outside, it definitely looks ugly
1: yeah that's definitely tough and i mean the more you delve into a person probably the uglier things you're gonna find you're just being like in that you know spotlight of hollywood like stuff's gonna come out even with the james gunn stuff like people are just looking for your downfall so maybe it is uh played up a little bit but yeah i mean i feel like just random stories come up like every year just like chris pratt being like some shady stuff so I don't really know. Maybe it's all talk, but the the I big
0: thing been, that really pe- <laughs> people got mad about is that he like made this post. at So he already had this son who's developmentally disabled. And he, he posted about so happy to have a healthy daughter born. And like, people were like, oh, that's so gross. Like, you're saying <laughs> like, oh, it's, like, what's wrong with your kid who wasn't maybe as healthy? <laughs> you know, it's like,
1: <laughs> he could have just been saying in general, though. But I mean, in the context. Like, it is
0: good to have a healthy daughter, but, you know.
1: You're mad at him for being happy he has a healthy daughter?
0: It, it, the, specifically, it was a, a birthday post for his wife, his new wife. And he said, she's given me an amazing life, a gorgeous, healthy daughter. Like <laughs> she, she's so loudly. Where it's like, oh, my ex-wife couldn't give me a healthy daughter.
1: Yeah. It's like yeah. you're subtweeting yeah. your own kids. Like, come on, dude.
0: <laughs> not great? Ugly. Ugly families.
1: Yeah, that's my, that's my family. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Move on to Weird Movie Details Trivia. Rock. Naked Grandma! Naked, huh? All right, Cody, I actually have a lot of trivia questions. I, I don't know
1: about you, but... I have three myself.
0: Uh, I got like five. All right. Oh, you kick us off. First one, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack album, Awesome Mix Volume 1, reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Top 200 chart. This is the first film soundtrack ever to do so without blank
1: without what oh i have no idea
0: um first movie soundtrack to chart number one without having any blank
1: uh i i don't even know what to think what does it not have i mean original (laughs)
0: music cody it's all from the 80s it's the first time a movie soundtrack ever happened no because there's always at least an original song on there if it makes the top
1: number one i mean what about, like, there's, like, a theme. They don't include the score. I'm That's guessing. not not the soundtrack, no. Not a big music guy. Yeah, fair enough. I would have never guessed that in a million years. That's pretty good trivia. <laughs> That's <laughs> weird that no other movie has ever had, like, no, like, a Dacing views. I would think. But, yeah.
0: Anyways. Also nominated for the Grammy for Best Soundtrack.
1: Oh, I fucking hope so. I mean, the soundtrack is ridiculous. Should we list out all the songs real quick? Go ahead. <laughs> Harry bomb. Hooked on a Feeling, Blue Suede. Uh, what else we got? Jackson Five at the end. Uh, a little, a little Marvin Gaye at the end too. Uh, that's probably all, all I got off the top of my head. So, anyways, my first tribute question for you. Okay, we'll start off with with an easy one. How many appearances does Thanos have total in the MCU, and we're counting post credit scenes?
0: Okay. So obviously, in game Infinity War, he's there. He's present. He's obviously also in this movie, and he appears in the post-credit scene of Avengers. So there's four. Um, is he not? Is he in an Ultron post-credit scene? I would have to imagine he is because they're like constantly building to it. So um, I'm going to go five there. He's not in Doctor Strange. He's not in Thor. He's not. In either of the, I'm I'm just gonna go five appearances.
1: Um, I'm not gonna lie, that's what I originally had, but I just saw another MCU movie and, and it's uh Doctor Strange two, Multiverse of Madness. He's laying off to the side, <laughs> from when the Illuminati killed him. I think that's an appearance, so I'm gonna give him six. But yeah, those are the those are the main five I had. Obviously, Avengers one shows up at the end. Avengers two for some fucking reason he shows up in the post credit scene again and yeah Guardians Avengers three Avengers four but uh yeah you know you're close there but no it scar- looks
0: different every time
1: <laughs> he really does in this in this uh, iteration I really like his armor just like a full just cloaked out in gold I think that's a pretty good look obviously like he sheds that in Infinity War when he gets some stones so I guess that makes sense but yeah his face i mean just as the color of his face compared to this and like avengers one it it looks like a completely different character
0: drastically different
1: yeah so that is interesting and josh brolin i mean this guy got paid a lot of money to do absolutely nothing for like five years so props to him but just Uh, he finally
0: had to do some work (laughs) like at the end of it but
1: then he had to carry a movie to be fair uh, and he did that pretty well so i guess it was worth the wait but yeah, the first three appearances are like, all right, who's this purple guy, and when's he gonna actually do anything?
0: In the MCU uh, canon of releases, what number film is this?
1: What a stupid fucking question! All right,
0: <laughs> your options are eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, let's just let's try and do the math here quickly. Yeah, I was gonna see if you could name them all.
1: Got Iron Man. Well, this isn't an exact order either. Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Thor, Captain America. The Incredible Hulk counts. What did I say are those? So Thor 2 had a sequel. We established as That's six. The Avengers, seven. Didn't Age of Ultron come out for this? I don't think so. What other movies are there? I feel like Iron Man 3 came out for this too, actually. So maybe eight. What am I forgetting? I'm forgetting something. Uh, Gordon <laughs> like I said yes. I'm going to go with just eight, because that's all I can think of off the top of my head.
0: So you're saying this is the eighth or this would be the ninth?
1: Uh this would be the ninth. Oh well
0: it's the tenth, so it doesn't matter. You missed well, uh, uh
1: Captain America the winter soldier. That came out before this? Yeah. Damn. Same I year. Same year. Okay. So I was I was pretty close then actually. Yeah,
0: you were solid. The in order, Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, Thor, Captain America. The Avengers, Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and then Guardians yeah. was number two. Yeah,
1: so Iron Man 3 was right before two. Yeah, I mean, that fits in. I mean, it's basically the one weird thing that they've strayed away off the bat in, like, what is this, Phase 2? Phase 3? Phase 2, yeah. At the end of Phase 2, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of a dope choice, honestly, of being, like, the first property. You would think, like, oh, they'd go Black Panther or they'd go some more obvious character in the comics, but they said, fuck it, we're going in space. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not a bad question. I take it back, actually. My second question, which I feel like maybe you know this as well, and I might be stealing one of yours, but who plays the big blue alien in the prison uh, who, you know, they have to establish that Chris Pat is our booty <laughs> and Groot fucks him up. Tell me who plays that guy.
0: I did. I was r- watching a video about this. Uh, movie before this, it's Nathan Fillion,
1: yes, my boy Philly. You know, him, he, he's kind of been out of movies for a while too now, which kind of sucks. And when I was watching it again, at, at first thought, I was like, Wait, is that Brendan Frazier in that suit? I was like, Oh no, it's Nathan Fillion. I always get those mixed up, but yeah, I figured you're gonna get that one as well. It's it's pretty, pretty known cameo, I feel like
0: him and James Gunn. You know, obviously, he, he's the firearm to. to detachable guy and that's true suicide squad
1: oh it's like kdt or something something KDK, like that. i think KDK, yeah. Right? Yeah. underwhelming in that in that flick i'd say but he goes out you know with a vengeance with some with some blood so we respect sure. it all
0: right I'll, I'll pair these two questions together so first one in what year did this version of the guardians of the galaxy first appear specifically it was star lord rocket raccoon Groot. Phyla Vell, Gamora, Drax, and Adam Warlock. But what year did that pairing of people first appear oh, in comics?
1: Adam Warlock on the original team, I like that.
0: So it's either 2008, 2004, 1998, and 1984. So this is not the original Guardians, but this is this iteration of the team.
1: Right, yeah, there's an original team where Yandu was on the team, and there's a lot of weird characters as well. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was 2000s. I'm going to go with 04, because why not?
0: it was 2008 oh,
1: so, so pretty recently
0: i mean only you, yeah. th- you think just like six years after um after they first appeared together um, my next question was who was the only person in this movie that was actually on the original team <laughs> which the answer is of course Yandu. but can you tell me what year they debuted
1: it's probably like the the 60s or 70s i guess 65
0: 1969 so pretty close Oh, but uh that team oh, had how genius. Not bad. 69 was a rough year for America and the nation as a whole. Uh, But so was 68. Bad times. Uh, The original team was Vance Astro, Martin X Tanaga, Captain Charlie 27, and Yandu Yudanta.
1: Tell you what, I really wish we had Captain Charlie 27 (laughs) instead of Star Lord. He's a
0: buff guy. Um, He's a fictional character. Character usually appears in the Earth 691 timeline as a member of the original 31st and Century incarnation of the team known as the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he does appear in Volume Two, played by Vic Ving Rams. So there you
1: go, Ving Rams. Ving Don't Rams, uh, Mission Impossible guy. Oh, you know who that is
0: sure. Uh, soldier and space militia pilot, genetically engineered to live in Jupiter's gravity.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's from Earth six one nine as well. Do you know what Earth? Like normal, canon is for the MCU and in the comics or Six one
0: six.
1: Well, this guy's genius. Six
0: one nine has a Captain Britain, so there you go.
1: That's actually dope. Shout out Captain Carter. Actually, I think everybody's Captain Britain, but anyways. <laughs> um, my next question. Yeah, his name's fun- James Bond. True. I-, I want a James Bond MCU crossover, mostly for Ana de Armas, but anybody else as well. But yeah, my last question even know why it's kind of just a good talking point but right at the beginning there's kind of a small throwaway line about peter's dad so what does peter's mom call peter's dad at the beginning of the movie and we have some options is it an angel a beauty a dick or the thing
0: shout out john carpenter and kurt russell uh shout out shout out uh i I gotta go in angel i mean she says he's bathed in pure light i I don't know i think angel would be what i have to go with i don't think it's dick (laughs) although when you think about it in context she is dying from the tumor that he put in her head so would say it's a bit of a dick move
1: oh not cool sure but uh yeah you did get that right uh the correct answer is angel which is interesting i mean They kind of do set up, you know, ego in this movie to be a good guy. And he's most certainly not. So I guess the twist works. Yeah, that's kind of just an interesting line, I thought, at the beginning. Because, again, I haven't seen it for a while. Probably since Guardians, too, honestly. And it's kind of just like, oh, like, they really set this up from the original scene to, to be this thing. And it's kind of the exact opposite. But shout out Kurt Russell. Talking about villains like we were earlier. I wish we had a more established villain, like space villain for this uh franchise i think if we continued using kurt russell that would have been fun but yeah kill him off i guess but yeah shout out kurt nonetheless my
0: last question for you here the actress who plays his mother appears in another mcu movie what movie is it and it is one that's released prior to guardians
1: you know i think i've heard this before is it um captain america the first avenger cody you
0: finally got one look at you go Captain America, the first Avenger.
1: I think she's like one of the dancers or something, isn't she? Yeah,
0: she's she's essentially like one of the fangirls that comes up to him. Um, I don't know. Look it up.
1: I think it's the girl who people were saying Captain America lost his virginity, right? And, uh,
0: I don't know if that's in the movie That There was
1: one specific girl who, who he was like kissing and then Peggy Carter shot her. I mean, shot him. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But it, that could be so many different. I'll, I'll double check.
0: We're going to take a quick commercial break to check into that and we'll be right back. And we're back, and we didn't look it up because we don't care. She is in the movie. Her picture was on the screen. Cody was right. Welcome to the Academy. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. (laughs) Moonlight won This is not a joke. Obviously, like I said, it was nominated for Best Soundtrack at the Grammys. It was also nominated for Best VFX and Best Makeup and Hairstyling at the Oscars. It lost to Interstellar and in the former and the Grand Budapest Hotel for the
1: latter. Hmm.
0: Honestly, kind of deservedly so. I yeah, can't, can't really
1: argue of guys. I, either. Those I feel like Interstellar definitely deserved to win. And the Grand Budapest Hotel looks awesome. So, yeah, I, I backed us. I don't have, have too much for this category. My big one that I did want to debate a little bit. I said this has the award for the worst MCU sequel. Um I really dislike. Yeah, well, that's an easy one. I I think we take Thor (laughs) out of the equation just because like that's obviously the worst MCU movie. But sequel-wise, I think going from the first one to second one, this one has the the biggest drop-off by far. We go from like a fun, you know, Star Wars, you know, just adventure to you know David Hasselhoff daddy issues in the second one. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's not interesting. They're on that planet the entire fucking time. And the golden trick is also annoying. But yeah, I would say that Elizabeth my... Debicki, Elizabeth Debicki,
0: Princess Diana. I like,
1: like Debicki, but um I would say that that is probably my least favorite MCU sequel, which is saying a lot.
0: You know, a lot of people like that movie, Cody. And I haven't seen it very recently. <laughs> so I, I don't well, want to say it's good.
1: I have seen it though.
0: I have seen it, but it's, you know, it's yeah, been a while. I just don't I don't know I've seen a lot of movies since then and I don't know if I can confidently say I feel like I liked it
1: maybe yeah, like more it. than this one shambles well fair enough I disagree but uh, also I rewatched Iron Man two the other day it's better than you think <laughs> Sam Rockwell <laughs> Sam Rockwell needs to come back uh you know the other guy the bird guy not too sure Mickey Rourke shout out you good acting but that that character's terrible I need my bird where's my the bird. You have my bird.
0: Why do I like Mickey Rourke? What's what's Mickey Rourke a shout-out to me for?
1: What's wrong with... I didn't say shout-out to you, did I? Oh, <laughs> so shout-out
0: to Mickey Rourke. Got it.
1: Shout-out to you and Mickey Rourke. Hey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke, he's a good actor. Have you seen The Wrestler?
0: No. I think this movie should get the uh, award for Best Talking Animal Character for, obviously, Rocket Raccoon. Chicken Little, you know, is up there, but I guess they're all talking animals. Stuart Little, however not would win in a fight rocket or stewart
1: oh come on you know stewart he has been you know fighting for his life he fights birds on occasion but i'm taking my boy rocket he's uh, a technologically advanced so i'd say it's not gonna be much comp
0: you know uh i think you've sent me the tweet or maybe i sent it to you jake sent it to me first but you know who would win in a fight ratatouille or or stewart little and i I think at the time i said you know stewart little he's he's a pampered little uh, house bitch right you know he, he <laughs> he's got parents he's got a loving family he's got an older brother he drives a car and in and, and ratatouille i mean he's a rat right he's, he's from the streets of paris but let me tell you i just recently watched ratatouille he's also kind of a little bitch so yeah i, I don't know i think stewart could take him he, he's like oh I got to wash my if you're a rat who has to wash your hands and, and he's getting bullied by like his brother rat and all these other and it's sean asked like it's rudy i, I don't know
1: yeah, his his dad, he really, I think, controls Remy in that movie. But to be fair, I mean, I think he's just washing his hands when he's preparing food for like <laughs> 200 people for the Yeah, who does that? <laughs> Maybe that's acceptable. But yeah, that is a good conversation, I think. Uh, they both, I think, have a sense of entitlement. You know, Remy, he did come from harsher upbringings, I think, but he, he feels he deserves better for some reason, you know, this disgusting rat. But anyways, yeah, I think... Stuart Little may have the edge just because he has experience, but personally, I, I would take Remy just because it's a better movie. But that's just me. I don't know if I agree with that, but... Anyways, better than Stuart Little, come on. <laughs> Anyways, my second my second uh, award, it's kind of similar to yours. It's I want to give the award for the best full CGI characters. So kind of similar to yours. I mean, the duo of Rocket and Groot, it's the best pairing in the movie i think it's the standout characters easily and to even think of you know full cgi characters like 20 years removed from jar jar binks like being this popular and this accepted i think it's pretty cool so shout out to the animators obviously they did get that nom you know it's a tough year going up against interstellar i think interstellar against any movie ever is probably going to win vfx but yeah i think it's really underrated like how well just full CG characters are integrated in this movie and you don't even think about it.
0: There's some stuff that I think doesn't hold up super well, but it's not Rocket and Groot. They look really good the entire time. Like, I think they're very effective. And, And characters that need to have heart and soul and need to feel tactile in your movie, you have to get it right. Uh, George Lucas said, if Jarjo Binks didn't work, then the, the, the whole movie wasn't going to work with Phantom Menace. Oh, you know what, Jarjo wild. Binks didn't fucking work. So, um, and the movie didn't work. Those two things are probably not mutually exclusive, but still. Yeah.
1: It's also because, you know, they're doing trade meetings for like three hours, but that had something to do with it too.
0: I also want to give this movie the award for the worst way to teach children about abstract expression to start just terrible the Jackson Pollock joke again bad way to teach children about art um you know art it's it's all right it's cool check it out kids but you know maybe jokes about I don't know ejaculating all over the the walls (laughs) are not super effective or maybe they're extremely effective it's hard to say um and then the last award I do want to give it is uh coolest Marvel helmet obviously there's a lot of great ones but I think the Star-Lord helmet design is actually really great um obviously Iron Man is pretty iconic and then you've got like Cap's weird cap Thing face, like yeah, it's it's not great. Thor's helmet is pretty sick, especially uh the you know the newer one in in Thor four. um But I don't know, I really like Star Wars Star Lord's helmet. Now, it's ripped straight from the comics, but it's sick.
1: Yeah, now, the design is really cool, and like the effect as well of it coming in off his face. I think is really cool too. As in the MCU, I think it's up there. I do like it a lot. Black Panther, I think it's a dope mask as well. Even like Bucky's from his Winter Soldier era. His COVID mask, yeah, his COVID mask is dope. Captain Marvel's got a good one too. There's a lot of good masks, I think. Even Miss Marvel, I like hers. But yeah, it's definitely top five for me. So I back it. And then yeah, the the Pollock thing, understandable. If you're gonna make an artist joke, I mean, at least make a Van Gogh reference. Make I it an artist sure. people know. <laughs> yeah, at least make it a funny one, not not a super sexual one. But the th- the thing that you know, in, in all serious
0: about the joke, the thing that does not make sense about it is. The whole idea is that Chris Pratt references only extend to what he knew about when he was on earth. Right. He was how old when he left? Like 10 tops? and he knew, I think he might've been younger than that. And he was like, we about, know
1: this from the show, I can't tell a little kid's age, dude. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I mean, I'm just saying he was young and he was like, that was a cultural reference that like stuck with him. Cause like the, obviously like footloose makes sense. Like, Oh yeah. He's a kid in the eighties. Like it would have come out. But like, was Jackson Pollock like really popping off like that? Where this ten-year-old that can make references to his jerking off to it? Yeah,
1: I feel like he makes a lot of references that maybe don't add up. Even like oh the the Ranger Rick one, like that. I guess that's more a kids thing, but like you wouldn't know that shit after twenty years. Like come on, dude. But they hit that they hit on that in the uh, the holiday special um, as well, where it's like oh this guy doesn't remember much about Earth. Like it's changed a lot, so. Yeah, it's kind of just like playing on that and whatever reference they think of, they're just going to randomly throw in, so.
0: All right, let's move on to Invite, Fight, and Night. I dump thee. So, William. Who do do you want to invite on the pod?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. I think there's a lot of interesting characters. I think the most interesting one and, and probably the most entertaining as well is Rocket Raccoon. I'm going with the obvious choice here. Mostly I just want to know his backstory, which I think we are going to get. But, I feel like his life would be very interesting. I don't think he has the longest lifespan. so I think he is fairly, you know, young, at least for his his species or whatever. But I think he's been through some shit, and he's also really, really funny. So I think he'd be a great guest on the bottom.
0: I'd love to hear Rocket review some movies. so that that was my pick as well. Oh, yeah, I think he'd bring in a perspective that we've never quite had so it'd be great to have rocket and you know we can have him he can bring Groot too you know, he can interject some thoughts uh, throughout if he needs to if he feels impassioned
1: chime in anytime he wants you gotta feel Absolutely. I know what you gonna say but you know
0: uh who do you want to fight for me it's Howard the Duck really he, he owes me some money we kind of have a thing that's going to my back he he thought because he was with the collector he could just ditch me but he's out now he's he's running so I'm gonna kick his ass
1: he owes you some time at least
0: Yeah, a little bit. You know that that ten minutes that I had to wait for the credits to roll to see that bullshit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My fight, really weird one. Again, I think this is my favorite category on the show. But um, I'm gonna fight the eyebrow guy who wouldn't sell off the orb just because Ronan's name was involved. I'll tell you what, man, you got you got pretty decent eyebrows, but if you're running this kind of you know business it's not going to go well for you so you're talking about bad. will
0: Poulter, adam morlock eyebrow guy oh
1: no not that eyebrow guy <laughs> he's the third one covered but uh no this eyebrow guy it's the one you know who sells um, Yandu. Yandu is, is i know who you're talking guy. about no i know i know but you know this guy's just the scum of the earth you know classics and darian i cannot kind of understand where you know, Ronan's coming from at points. but uh, <laughs> yeah, this guy's asking for a whooping. so uh, I'll take the take the bait and go after him.
0: This character's name is the Broker. Yeah, great name. He's played by Christopher Fairbank.
1: No, Christopher Eccleston. I know who that is. This is the villain in Thor too?
0: He's also Doctor Who.
1: Oh, true. There we go.
0: So there you go. It all connects. Evan Bacon, Christopher Fairbank, also in Alf in orthodox black plague all my friends hate me so uh really nothing much to be honest those eyebrows are not very popular i guess for me personally there's a couple people you could knight obviously Groot he's kind of the hero at the end of the day he he cocoons himself since and sacrifices himself whether he knows he's going to be reincarnated or not i don't know Um, but he he does make the ultimate sacrifice to save the day so he's very deserving of knighthood um, at least posthumously. And then um, Gamora as well, really, you know, without her, all of the, you know, successes in Infinity War maybe wouldn't happen to a certain degree. Maybe they would be worse or maybe they would be better, I guess, if she wasn't being able to be sacrificed to the reality stone. But regardless, um, she turns her back on her pseudo-father, the man who raised her for many years and has kind of, you know, been influencing her for a really long time. And I don't, it obviously gets a lot more play throughout the franchise later and we kind of get to delve deeper into that backstory and we don't see a ton of it here but i think that is a really interesting character and i think it's a cool move to kind of see her you know like actually care about people and and not you know just go along with the the planes of thanos
1: definitely yeah we haven't talked that much about Gamora, but no her arc is one of the most important in the movie by far so i back it and um i do agree with you Uh, Groot, i I do have two picks for this but he he was definitely my first i mean like i said before just his, his, his cuteness i think. Um, along with just the murderous, you know, nature of him, it's just a, a a killer combo, something you can't really beat. And yeah, like he gives little kids flowers. He's got lights coming out of him, cool visually. And yeah, he, like you said, he even sacrifices himself. So nothing more the tree man deserves, I think, than than being knighted. It's like another just really random character that I do want to knight. You're gonna have to bear with there, but it's it's the guy in the prison uh, when they're up in the thing. And he's yelling, number one, fire, number two, fire on my command. He's just screaming, he's spitting, like he's yelling so loud. This actor is unbelievably committed to this two seconds in the movie. I love it. I could listen to that all day. Yeah. Not a very
0: effective method, you know, kind of shooting one by one, you know, maybe, I don't know, shoot all at once.
1: Oh, that would make sense. But, you know, they, they didn't want to do that because then it would have all, you know, messed up their plan. But this guy, he tried his best. Maybe he didn't, you know, figure out the best plan of attack beforehand. But, you know, he, he gave in the passion, which is what I'm looking for. So I want to knight this guy immediately just for the passion.
0: Fair. All right. Let's move on to the recast. Bond. James Bond. My name's
1: Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond.
0: Uh, I'll get us started with, eh, you know, maybe my more serious one of the two. But obviously, I said this opening scene is very reminiscent of Indiana Jones. Star-Lord is kind of like an Indiana Jones Han Solo-esque figure to a certain extent. So Harrison Ford, I I could have seen him playing Star-Lord in the 80s. You know, he's not as funny and maybe he wouldn't be as into it or as you know he's a little bit more self-serious and it's definitely a different character but I think maybe it's a character I like a little bit more as Star-Lord um but but the obvious then thing is if Harrison Ford's a good comp let's let's take Alden Ehrenreich and say hey Disney don't make Solo a Star Wars movie and don't give us this fake Harrison Ford just throw Alden Ehrenreich into the role of star lord so we don't have to have chris pratt stuck in the mcu for the next 10 years
1: yeah that's actually a good shout i think uh i mean that kid's not doing any work really other than you know white white boy oppenheimer movie i think yeah i, I feel like he said he kind of fits perfectly obviously maybe he's a little young but that definitely would have been like a good niche for him and in, in the mcu so i back it harrison ford um i don't know about that one i <laughs> how young harry are we talking i'm
0: talking like in the 80s like or 70s
1: uh, fair enough i guess i mean yeah you're probably right it would be a different character just it wouldn't be as comedic but i mean it couldn't be much worse than chris pratt so i backed it (laughs) enough my first recast as well is replacing chris pratt
0: how you put how are you gonna put dave batista in this movie Cody?
1: (laughs) oh you'll find out my second pick and it's a doozy but uh yeah chris pratt he needs to go obviously and i was thinking comedic wise you know it's tough to find like guys who have done comedy and action i think and you know first first thought john krasinski i think i used him last episode as well but i think this is actually a good role for him because he's shown he can do the comedy sure you know he's you know maybe mr fantastic now whatever I don't do you're shit. just
0: picking a different nbc sitcom
1: actor Exactly. But uh, you're, you're choosing the superior sitcom actor. And um, I think you would add more, you know, he he's worked in an office with a team. He knows how to deal with idiots. You know, he had Dwight. Now he's got, you know, Groot and Drax. So he understands those dynamics as well yeah i kind of just wish chan krasinski was a bigger star in the mcu so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw him in
0: should have just had aziz ansari do it i mean he got canceled too just like chris pratt so it, it would have been just fitting
1: i would have liked seeing that if aziz ansari got like buffed out for this role that would have been sick but yeah but anyways if we want to move smoothly on to my second one this is really dumb I, I don't know if it's funny or not but we're gonna go with it so obviously the big bad that i didn't like it was maybe the villain you know lee paced, forgettable he looks the role i don't know how well it's acted I want to make Dave Bautista the, the main antagonist of this story. You know, he, he can do a dual role as well. I want to throw that wrinkle in. So he's playing Drax, and then he's also going to play Thrax. So they're brothers. And I think that would really just add an, an extra tail on the movie where it's like, okay, it all wraps together at the end a lot better. Just because then you could have, like, Drax take out his brother and, and that add that emotion to it at the end. Plus, I mean, it gives the best actor in the movie just a lot more fun. Dave Bautista can really, you know, go both sides of the coin. He has this Drax character, obviously. He's just kind of this, you know, idiot, but probably has good intentions. And then Thrax would just be this madman and wants to take everybody out. So I think just acting chops-wise, you know, he deserves, uh, you know, better roles. So I wanted to throw that out there. Proud of you for getting that in, Cody.
0: <laughs> Dave Bautista, he's all right.
1: Who's your second one?
0: Maybe not a terribly... Original idea because uh you know Stephen Colbert already did this bit on his show The Late Night or Late Show with Stephen Colbert, uh but let's get Morgan Freeman to be Groot because he's got the best voice and and fuck Vin Diesel and I am Groot now I, I am Groot I am Groot I am Groot Morgan Freeman who could do it better
1: no one I feel like if you're gonna go Morgan Freeman you might as well just go with James Earl Jones but yeah i don't know i mean they're they're both just so old it's kind of tough Uh,
0: morgan freeman's not above it he's not above making a buck
1: right needs work i mean now you see me four isn't out yet so he hasn't made a movie in 10 years but yeah i wouldn't hate it it'd probably be good
0: let's move on to our rating (laughs) it coming fresh off our re-ranking uh curious to see how uh our perspectives may have changed in the process of this mine hasn't i'm going to continue with the same system um and i'm going to give this a 57 out of 69 it's about a four and a half star more movie for me i do really like it it's on the bottom tier of like where i sit like four and a half stars but to me this is very clearly a movie made by someone who cares about the material which i think is missing in a lot of mcu works I think that's something that the Russos are actually kind of successful at, despite maybe not being the greatest film directors, they did have an appreciation for the comics and kind of an understanding. um, On top of like how to make a blockbuster movie Um, James Gunn knows how to adapt faithfully he's done it. Countless times, most recently with the Suicide Squad movie, um, kind of pulling these you know interesting different characters. But he did the same thing with Guardians, and even going back to writing the script for Scooby Doo. Those, those are pretty faithful adaptations of what the Scooby Doo characters are in essence, both in casting and in the writing that he provided. There's just a lot of cool stuff in this movie. The soundtrack is fantastic, as we talk about. Um, maybe some stuff doesn't you know CGI wise hasn't aged super well. But I don't know. I think it's a it's a really strong entrant for what it was tasked with doing. You know, kind of giving us all this information about the future of the Infinity Saga on the backs of characters nobody knew or cared about. I don't know. Pretty successful, and um, you know, probably my favorite of uh, James Gunn films.
1: Nice. I couldn't agree with them more. There. Yeah, that was a great little snippet. Save that one for TikTok. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Scooby Doo. Uh, maybe you're off on that. I think they they messed up scrappies you know rolling that shout out scrappy deserve <laughs>
0: villainous scrappy you're not a fan of uh
1: not really no scrap scrap's a good guy come on but uh yeah I, I, it's tough but i would say i do prefer this movie over the suicide squad they are very different just top to bottom i think this has some of the most heart some of the best action some of the best characters and it's got that cool sci-fi vibe to it so you know i'm gonna fuck with it yeah, you're rating 57 is actually pretty high from you. So I'm pretty surprised. I'm going to go with a 63 out of 69. I would consider it a five-star movie. It's probably in the lower tier of my five-star movies, but still ridiculously, ridiculously good. Like I said, I could talk about this movie all day and I've probably been rambling on too long. So I'm going to stop. But yeah, check this out. Check out the Suicide Squad as well, just to catch up on James Gunn before DC goes crazy. But uh, yeah, those are those are two comic book classics in my book.
0: If we did that, it would uh drop this movie in as our fifteenth highest. So there okay. you go. Not I terrible. All right, let's move on to defeat the watch list. Watch me, watch me, ooh, watch me. Watch me. Mm. So it's obviously been a couple episodes since we've had this category, but I was tasked with watching the Royal Tenenbaums. Last time, obviously, Cody, recently, you've you've been on a bit of a Wes Anderson kick. Notably, I'm a bit of a Wes Anderson denier, at least not a fan of his. Uh, I I do like Fantastic Mr. Fox pretty well. And I haven't seen a ton of his films. So this was kind of, you know, an interest, especially into some of his early work. I wasn't vibing with it for the first half at all, really, to be honest. Uh, It definitely began to grow on me a little bit more. Um, I think the cast is obviously very fun. That's something that he's always super successful with. Ben Stiller, Luke and Owen Wilson, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think is really great. Uh, Danny Glover is a fun character. Uh, Obviously, Gene Hackman, who I haven't seen in a ton of stuff other than this. And uh, yeah, just all in all, fun. Bill Murray, classic. I I really enjoyed the scene where it was uh, Ben Stiller's sons and uh, his grandfather or their grandfather, Ben Stiller's dad, where they're kind of just like going around goofing off their throwing stuff at the car and, and stealing stuff. That, that's a really fun scene. Uh, the music throughout is incredibly good. Wes Anderson knows how to compose a frame, provide a backing track, and make actors do movement that fits it. He's, he's really good at that, both emotionally and, and with the blocking itself. Um, he has a rhythm to his storytelling, a rhythm to every character movement and blocking. It's very rehearsed and, and specific. If you go to the French Dispatch, you can literally play a metronome throughout in every single motion, camera movement is on beat. And I would say it's very similar for this film. It, it, it's very rhythmic and, and, and flows in an interesting way. He always has very interesting characters. Writers pop up throughout his work. He has a love and appreciation for writers. He's a writer himself, but um, um, you know, authors and, and newspaper writers and in all forms of that world uh, is something that he clearly enjoys. I don't know, three and a half stars is what I put it as. Okay. I don't Sometimes, like how Owen Wilson uh, murders a puppy at the end of it, but I guess he's just practicing for Marley and me.
1: That's a good point. But, yeah, the, I think I do like it a little bit more than you. I mean, Wes Anderson, is just I think he is the most artistic director um, of our period, so he's got to respect the hell out of that. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, I think Gene Hackman and his relationship with the kids are is awesome. They, like, hop on the fire truck and stuff. Love that. And then I think the standout we didn't mention – Is Luke Wilson? I think this is his movie, basically, and his relationship with Gwyneth Gwyneth Paltrow is obviously pretty weird. But I think, like, uh, dramatic-wise, it's that's by far the best I've ever seen from Luke Wilson. So shout out to him as well. But yeah, have you seen um, Grand Budapest Hotel?
0: I have, I have. That that's my. I've seen four of his movies. I've seen The French Dispatch, Grand Budapest Hotel, The Royal Tenenbaums, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Budapest is my second favorite. Fantastic is my favorite. I've I begun to watch the, Darjling, the the Darjling Unlimited, I believe. It's called, uh, again, oh, just cool. wasn't a huge fan of it. I, mm. I, I don't know. You kind of have to assign this movie if you want me to watch them, to be honest. <laughs> um, like you did with this. I, I did finish it right before we we recorded
1: this. Yeah, that one's not as best. I don't think it, it's pretty long, I feel like. And it's
0: like an hour and a half, but yeah.
1: Is it? It feels longer if you watch it. <laughs> I, I would probably agree with you on that. Adrian Brody, I think, yeah. when he's in like a primary role for S. Anderson, I usually just skip it. No offense to the Broadman. man; he's
0: a hell of a supporting actor. But I, I do agree with you. Uh,
1: Great like and it's episode of uh, Succession, actually. But, yeah,
0: very true. Very true. As we're entering, it's it is December. We're we're beginning the end of the year. A lot of end of the year lists will be happening. So I thought it would be a good idea before we do our best of episode. Maybe I assign you a couple things that I think you might have missed to watch. So, you think you agree with that? I then I can, I can give you maybe, what am I say, three movies that you have to watch by that episode?
1: Sure. I say I just joined the, the watch list vibe, dude. You just give me movies. Start to watch. start doing that. All right. All right. I'm down. And if I caught up originally, you know, uh, the watch list was I like, needed to watch Nope. And you, know, you we did see it. Me. So, I'm back in the ring because so I finally finally saw it. But yeah no i'm definitely down for that i'm sure you have some ideas as well for you have you seen the movie children of men corbin
0: i have not no
1: oh and i just picked because that's an adrian brody flick that's why i'm thinking of it yeah is that on your list
0: yeah it is and you know notably uh luke manning this is like one of his favorite films former guest
1: i say uh you watch that one because that's a classic i will check it out
0: is adrian brody in that movie Cody?
1: (laughs) I think so who's the main guy uh, it's, not,
0: it's not Andrew Brody
1: <laughs> who is it what's his name
0: Clive Owen oh yeah some British guy Julian Moore Michael Caine Chiwetel Ejiofor, our Michael
1: favorite Kine.
0: Charlie Hoonan
1: he should have been the voice of Groot Michael that's Kine. true
0: Michael Caine yeah so I'll be watching Children of Men and uh let me pick a a 2022 release for you to watch <laughs> all right Cody, have you seen Black... Did, did you see Black Adam? You did, didn't you?
1: <laughs> yes, I haven't seen Black Panther, so...
0: Yeah, but why don't you go see Black Panther?
1: Oh, I will, but...
0: All right, Cody. Uh, Why don't you watch The Banshees of Inishirin?
1: Ooh, I like that a lot. All right, I'll definitely do that.
0: If you can. I, I think it's only in theaters, so
1: you're going to have to go see it. Oh, no, but... I'm sure it be empty. That's my favorite kind of theater, baby. The, the trailer looked good, so I do want to see it.
0: All right, so I'll be checking out... Uh, Children of Men, and you'll be watching Bantu and Sharon, which is one of my uh, favorites this year. So it'll be important for you to see for us to have the conversation at the end.
1: Hell yeah. High expectations. That's always good.
0: Moving on to We Have a Podgorithm.
1: Wow, season four. Season four. four. Season four. Yeah. And a uh, quick shout out as well. We got the mic back. Shout out my boy Ian Cotter. We figured out the dongle. So with the mic back officially, I think we're officially bringing you back. Season four, season four, because it's just so much cleaner with the mic. But uh, yeah, what what movie we got? So. You sound
0: great, Cody. I, I, much better than last week. Parasite.
1: Hey. Is- oh, this is actually really good, I think, for us. Do you want to start? Do you want me to?
0: Why don't you take it away?
1: All right, so Parasite. I mean, this is a, a very, very recent release. Best picture winner, you know, heralded as you know, an all-time classic by some. I think it's good. I think the performances are really, really good i think the script's fun but i think the script's overrated um it's definitely not what you expect going in i think it's a little bit long but the symbolism and just everything to do with you know uh, society and and culture in general is spot on i mean from a writing standpoint talking about societal issues i think that's about as good as it gets feng Joon hu i think i said his name wrong whatever But I do like the guy a lot. I don't. I don't mean disrespect to him. I'm just an idiot. Uh, Snowpiercer is one of my personal favorites. You haven't seen that? I think that's superior to this film, which probably everyone would disagree with. But uh, yeah, I'd say it's good but overrated.
0: I think it it is deserving of of the praise and admiration it's gotten.
1: Definitely I think it should. deserves best picture, but I think it's overrated. But yeah, fair, fair, it.
0: fair. Definitely should have won best picture. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Bong Joon-ho, there is actually a book that just recently came out from uh, a woman named Karen Han, uh, Bong Joon-ho Dissident Cinema, which is just a kind of a deep dive into all of his movies. Uh, we've actually seen a couple of his films together. Obviously, we watched Snowpiercer together for the first time uh, and then kind of dove deep into the the Willy Wonka sequel yeah. theories. Uh, I think it's been discussed many times on this podcast before, but I uh, love that. And uh, we also watched The Host together, at least parts of The Host. Uh, I don't we know if you've yeah, little, you didn't see all dude. of it but a little little uh hilltop uh 3015 throwback there but Bong Joon ho parasite it's a great movie like you said it, it has a ton of commentary on on class struggle and that's something that you know really sticks out to me and is important to me and there's you know a movie about that is it, it's unsurprising that I, I would appreciate the the message that it has um some really awesome visuals in that underrated visuals cool little stuff the house specifically is, is really well designed and really interesting so uh, if you haven't seen parasite definitely check it out um expand your worldview watch international cinema
1: no i definitely agree good film
0: let's talk uh, guardians of the galaxy christmas special and recommendations
1: i drink
0: your milkshake i drink it up cody i, I did see you uh, checked out this movie personally uh off the bat, I wasn't a huge fan of it, particularly not a huge fan of Robox Groot or Buff Groot, Vin Diesel Groot. Not really sure what's going on with that. I did notice he's also looking like that in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume tree, 3 trailer that just recently came out. Um, what were your thoughts on the Christmas special, Cody? Do you like the introducing Kevin Bacon of it all?
1: Yeah, I thought that was funny where they just put introducing for him in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, how long is it? Like 45 minutes? Nothing particularly really happens. Be completely honest, um, I think the Kevin Bacon stuff is probably the best part of it, but I do kind of agree. I don't really like the look of Groot, he kind of reminds me of like a kangaroo the way he looks. What was that movie called, Kangaroo Jack? He kind of looks like that guy a little bit, and also, um, I want the clip of the week, uh, to be this kangaroo video. Uh, I'm sure I've shown it to you before, it's one of my all time favorites it's like kangaroo like boxing a guy after he stole his dog.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Seeing like Cosmo the dog and like, root next to each other, it just reminded me of that video for some reason. So we gotta clip that. But all is not as it seems. The big buck actually has hold of the dog, not the other way around. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. Yeah, Let's go. Now The dog's coming. Well, we're not sure what's going on here, but the roo has the dog, not the other way around. Max calmly waits for his owner to come and help. The buck roo sees the odds stacking against him and tries to gut the dog with his claws one last time. His powerful arms anchor the dog by the breastplate as Max doubles his efforts to escape. Finally, the Rue switches his attention to Tonks and sizes up the human to be his next victim. Tonks gives the kangaroo his space, but the cranky butt comes forward, ready to attack. To save himself, he launches a right hand to the kangaroo's snout. Yeah, I don't know, I I feel like it was suitable for what it was. Like, it was a fun Christmas story, but I mean, it it wasn't like uh, Werewolf by Night, where I was like, oh shit, this is like a sick presentation. But it, it was still fun, I thought. I
0: think for like a kid's Christmas movie, I think it's great. Like it does exactly that. Like it's it's just a fun little watch. I'll never watch it again. Like I'm not going to make it a tradition to check it out. Um, And I agree with like nothing really happens. There's not a ton of plot Uh, besides just like this, like Mantis and Drax go to Earth to get Kevin Bacon. Um, But in reality, to me, like I feel like the main point of this is to like fix the fact that they cut the scene where mantis says she's starlet's brother from volume two and they didn't want to have to like explain it in depth in volume three so like oh here's the christmas special to like get this one plot point across i don't know
1: i completely agree this seemed to be like mantis's story almost which i like i mean especially in tv you can flesh out characters who you didn't really touch in the movies you know obviously like hawkeye that's a big thing but i don't know i i feel like it really added a lot to her character that i didn't even know like she can you know mind control people and do anything pretty much she can jump around like a like a maggot i don't even know what she was doing
0: Like a mantis maybe like a praying mantis
1: Did praying mantis jump that high though <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and yeah she's you know siblings with star lord which i think you're right is pretty much the entire point of it you know i, I don't know if it was necessarily necessary it's good to see palm um I what is it palm Clementif. I, I can never remember that but uh it's good to see her get more screen time obviously because i i think she had a lot more fun in the role in this film especially and hopefully we, we continue to see that because i mean i feel like in guardians 2 she's kind of just just blankly stating everything
0: yeah she's uh, like a plot expedition device
1: you don't get any personality from her anything in that so it was good to see that at least in this
0: yeah overall it, you know some fun character moments what did you think of the animated like yondu scenes
1: yeah, that's what I was kind of talking about earlier, where it's kind of just like, oh, thrown in retcon in, in animated form, where, oh, Yandu was a, he He really did have a father-son relationship with Peter. I mean, literally, we just watched the first one today, Yandu was a half a second away from just slashing this guy's throat. All he, he talks doesn't... about is how much they wanted to eat him. <laughs> yeah, and suddenly, you know, he's the best father growing up, all so that's whatever, but... I, I like the animated i mean that was kind of a, a cool intro where they did the marvel logo and then it just pops into animation You're like what the hell's going on but yeah I, I thought it was interesting
0: it's one of those things where it's like when when you think about why they did it though it's like eh, it's just like because they didn't like michael rooker probably didn't like oh, wasn't yeah. able to come film and like well no, and they just didn't
1: want to put on the blue makeup yeah buddy. exactly <laughs> like <laughs> he's dead he's done costume. with this shit You know not be in costume for five hours to do two scenes he said, "Hell no." Yeah, in a country accent.
0: Any other recommendations? Obviously, we recorded our last episode relatively recently, but uh, anything else you've been into?
1: Uh, a couple of, uh, small things. Still been watching Agents of Shield. Been working my way through that. Uh, I think at one point in this show, I said that season three was good. I'm gonna have to retcon that as well. The first like ten episodes of season three are fairly good. I'd say they're they're good. The back half, it's a different story. Uh, <laughs> it's really really bad but anyways don't check out that season i'll keep you updated on season five um other than that i did watch the grogu animation thing which you told me not to pointless uh terrible i'd check it out it's two minutes though i'd recommend it and then lastly uh are you caught up on survivor or still no
0: yeah i did what a fucking episode
1: oh yeah so i mean this is this is winner's edit episode right here i mean the episode before what's her face went home. She's my favorite character of the season, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, The girl with one leg, whatever name is Nope, girl. I don't know. (laughs) I know who you're talking about. I don't know her name. She's (laughs) awesome. Legit, dude. Like, I I don't know. Like, it's tough to make me cry, but a couple of her stuff is just like, damn, like, that's inspiring as hell. Like, I respect that. So, shout out to you. But yeah, this next episode, Jesse's got some game on him. Oh, my goodness. I mean, to, I mean, this is a. Oh, wow noel that's what it is shout out noel but yeah this is a blatant natalie anderson san juan del Sur move but the thing is he has two idols and i I'm well not he has lie. one
0: now he played it
1: all oh, right but he had to and he used two very effectively i'm not gonna lie i have like come up with like idol strategies in my head like if i was gonna play in the game what i would try to do and one of the main ones is if you have an idol basically like you uh, direct a vote to somebody you know where the votes are going, and then you play an idol for them, and then you only tell you and that person, and you vote for the biggest threat, basically. It's basically an easy way to get out of a big threat. But basically, what he did with two idols, and it makes it even more effective, he he uh, knew the vote, he knew where it was going, he played it correctly, and then he took out his biggest... He flushed
0: uh, out the idol, yeah.
1: Yeah, he flushed out as well uh, the other one, which is fucking genius. But he took out his biggest ally who that's who they were going to compare their games to at the end. So that's a necessary move. And he had an idol. So that's a, that's a hell of a snipe out of nowhere. And then as well, he makes himself a massive target for final five, but nobody knows he has a second idol. So he's getting all the votes. He can literally pick who yeah. goes next. It's wild. But I wouldn't be surprised to see if he loses to fire making. Just got the survivor. But yeah, I enjoyed this episode. It was, it was a lot to take down, but I mean, Jesse has all the powers and all the resources. <laughs> And he, he made a hell of a move, so you can all respect it. I hope he wins, but you know we'll see. We'll see if he gets that far.
0: You know he didn't make the mistake that you know a lot of people make, where it's they're just out there to have fun. He said it. He said, "I'm here to win a million dollars, and I'm gonna be cutthroat, and I'm gonna make the play at the right time." And I really think if he doesn't get Cody out here, it's I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's tough. Yeah, like they're probably going to the end together. Um, Orland, I think I, I Ar- still think Ar- he's got a tough road here. Because, like you said, at four, he's probably gonna have fire. Like he's not winning immunity. That's the thing. Every everybody else left has won an immunity challenge, at least one, um, and he has not won any. And I don't really know if he's gonna win any. So True.
1: the funny thing is, it's probably gonna come down. What's the What's the idiot's name? <laughs> Gabler. Gandalf, I was thinking. It's probably gonna come down to game. He's a
0: heart valve surgeon, Cody. He's not an idiot, but yeah.
1: okay, he's kind of smart, but nobody respects his game. He'll probably get like one or two votes in the end. But I mean it's probably gonna be him, Cass, and then Jesse or Carla. I would assume whoever. Well, I don't know. Carla should be out next vote. So who knows? But her edit says otherwise. But um, yeah, it'll probably be like, oh, who's Gabler gonna take? And then he's gonna be like, I'm gonna take Jesse, because you know, everybody hates him you voted everybody out like an idiot or something but fucking gabler that guy i can't believe he's lasted this long in the season it's pretty wild
0: yeah I, the thing is i wouldn't be surprised if, if gabler and owen both end up as like the two Dude, guys I, that get I taken to the end and fun. it's it's gonna be cassidy jesse and carla fighting it out between three of them because the other two don't have any chance of winning so they're the perfect people to be there at the end
1: i think cass is a decent player she doesn't doesn't have a resume
0: Lots of immunity wins, but yeah.
1: Owen has not been on the right side of any votes. So it'd be very, very tempting to take him, but he has a good story. Like her, him against Carla, I think would be a decent final tribal uh, just because he's so likable and he has been turning it around at the end, at least. So it'll be interesting. I think he could be a finalist as well. and get a couple of votes.
0: Finale this week. So excited to see what happens.
1: Anywho, yeah, that's my Rex. You've been anything?
0: You know, obviously. It's- I've only really watched one movie besides the ones, the three we've talked about already Tenenbaum's Holiday Special and Guardians. But I did go see The Whale on Saturday, and it is mm. Brendan Fraser. Everything we've heard about it is, is accurate. Brendan Fraser is incredible. Right. I, I was blessed to to get to hear Darren, Darren Aronofsky, the director of the movie, talk for a little bit after, which is really cool. Um, you know, he's very praised. He has a lot of praise for for Frazier's work, um, rightfully so. And uh, I really enjoy the movie Requiem for Dream, which is an early film from Aronofsky. And that movie deals heavily with addiction. This movie deals with addiction in, in a different sort of way with with food addiction. By no means is it a perfect movie or does it handle, it's, it's an extremely tough subject matter to deal with, right? And I don't know if you can do it in a perfect way successful way i think this is is done with a lot of care and a lot of emotion and a lot of heart but maybe it's not always successful in what it's trying to accomplish i will say similar to requiem in, in a different vein but the man knows how to end at a peak right like his movies go up and they just finish on the highest note and in, in this movie is is just like that. So uh definitely go check it out and uh, book it in. Frazier's winning the Oscar. Nobody else really, I think, even has a chance. Maybe Bill Bill Nye uh will, will definitely uh maybe be his, his second competitor, but I don't know.
1: Good to know. And uh, that's really cool. and uh, I I believe Aaron Osky I, I think he directed the wrestler, didn't he? We <laughs> were just talking about I feel like all his movies kind of um take on maybe not you know the most comfortable side subjects or really take it to the extreme.
0: For sure. It it was definitely cool. I guess the last thing I want to hit on is the Golden Globes uh, nominations were released today. Um, Mm -hmm. It it kind of, I guess, saying that back to back in sentences with Brendan Fraser is a little bit unfortunate. Obviously, Um, the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press is the the man who, you know, sexually assaulted and and took advantage and kind of caused a lot of his blacklisting. So it is very important to recognize that um, the Hollywood Foreign Press is a historically corrupt organization, very undiverse, hasn't nominated a lot of diverse movies, has potentially taken bribes and and special gifts at press screenings to to influence some of the votes. The ceremony didn't even happen last year, at least not in a televised sense. And they're supposed to be changing and things that are kind of, you know, moving in a more positive direction. So we can hope that in the future, the Golden Globes is more inclusive and more correct um, with the things they're nominating and appreciating in the world. Definitely curious to see. Yeah, it, it's def- an early Oscar precursor. Did you have a chance to check out any of the noms?
1: I did check them out. My main question to you is: Are you going to watch the Golden Globes, and is anyone going to watch the Golden Globes? Because I mean, I feel like this award show is kind of just a shamble.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, I am not going to watch them probably. Like, I'm definitely going to pay attention and see what the results are. But I don't even. The thing is, like, the Golden Globes are are an indicator of what's going to happen at the Oscars, but they are not the indicator of what's going to happen and there's there's stuff that's nominated here that i don't think will get recognized i mean there's stuff that kind of got left out that i would be surprised if it if it isn't more recognized um just a couple of notes i think the big one women talking i think only really pops up on here uh for a screenplay nod i i think that'll get a couple more nominations although it was pushed to later in the year so there's a potential it doesn't see a ton of love. Uh, I, I really like the everything, everywhere, all at once noms screenplay, best motion picture comedy, um, and then acting nominations for Curtis, Kihei Kwan, um, and of course Michelle Yeoh, um, which is really great. Um, I don't know; should be interesting. Banshee getting a lot of love. Babylon getting some surprising love. The Fablemans, of course, is is an obvious. The Tar.
1: Fablemans and Top Gun were nominated for Best Picture, I believe.
0: Yeah, so just to, to hit the, the Best Motion in Picture, they do split it into different categories. So for musical uh, comedy, it's Battle On, uh, The Banches of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere All At Once, Glass Onion, and Triangle of Sadness. And then for the drama category, it's Avatar, Elvis, The Fableman's Tar, Top Gun. That's 10 movies. Those 10, I mean, 10 movies get nominated for Best Picture. I don't think it'll be those 10, but it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's at least Eight of these ten get nominated.
1: Nom for for best uh, best picture at the Oscars. I don't know. I think it's gonna be really good, but I don't know if it will.
0: What movie? Avatar two. Avatar two. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The first one was obviously nominated, so it's hard to say. Here's the big question, Cody. Notoriously, mm-hmm. sequels at the Oscar are not extremely well recognized.
1: Right.
0: Top Gun Maverick, Avatar: The Way of Water, Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. Black Panther Wakanda forever is another one that potentially could be looking in. There's four right there. I don't think there's any way all four of those get nominated.
1: I would say not glass onion. I'd say the other three do.
0: Hey, uh, we still have over a month before we get noms and then another two beyond that before the ceremony happens. So we'll continue to talk about it throughout. Thanks for listening guys. It's been a fun one. Guardians of the galaxy.
1: Appreciate you guys keep coming back we're doing uh like we said a lot of christmas stuff soon a lot of fun stuff a lot of avatar so definitely stay up date with everything cause it's gonna be a good ass time
0: cody froze again stay peace <laughs> stay happy.: i don't know stay man right,
1: <laughs>
0: right at the end dude you were we were losing it. Yeah.
1: i don't know what's going on my wi-fi is all shit all of a sudden
0: hey, better that it happened at the end than in the middle so it's all good what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.